0: Judges chapter 16, now, Judges chapter 16, I know uh, there's a little bit more preliminaries today. Uh, I do believe each one of those announcements uh, served a valuable purpose and were very important. I think you can see that we're passionate about reaching uh, the young generation, uh, of course teenagers, young adults. That's one reason why we're building our family center with an indoor playground and gymnasiums. Uh, we want to reach the next generation Uh, We love the older generation as well. We love everyone in between. And we're just excited about what God's doing here. And so we're getting the message this morning. The Bible says there in Judges 16, once you found it, if you could stand to your feet uh, this morning. If you're physically able to, if you can't, of course we understand uh, the respect for the reading of God's Word. But I want to bring a message today on Samson's last stand. Samson's last stand. And really it will culminate in a mini-series and a bigger series of Samson's life Of course, some of the judges barely got a verse, and Samson got four chapters. So we've learned a lot from him, and we'll finish it off today. The Bible says, But the Philistines, in verse 21, took him and put out his eyes and brought him down to Gaza. If you remember, Gaza was a city he had voluntarily gone to not too long before. Gaza was a very powerful city, very influential city. It was really the capital of the five cities of Philistines there. And bound him with fetters of brass, and he did grind in the prison house, howbeit the hair of his head began to grow again after he was shaven. Then the lords of the Philistines gathered them together for to offer us a great sacrifice unto Dagon their god, and to rejoice, for they said, Our god hath delivered Samson our enemy into our hand. And when the people saw him, they praised their God, for they said, Our God hath delivered unto our hands our enemy and the destroyer of our country, which slew many of us. And it came to pass, when their hearts were merry, that they said, Call for Samson, that he may make a sport. And they called for Samson out of the prison house, and he made them sport, and they set him between the pillars. Lord, we sure do love you. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for another Sunday to serve you. Thank you for a great crowd coming out in the middle of the summer, being here and being in their place. Thank you for the many guests you brought our way, or those traveling through, uh, those who are faithful members and everyone in between. I pray that each and every person knows that you love them, knows that we love them, and we are just so thankful that we get to serve together, you. And Lord, be with those this morning that may not know you as their personal Savior. May they come to that saving knowledge today. Be with those maybe who are a little bit distant and just kind of coming back a little bit. Lord, may you just work in their hearts. Lord, may you work in our hearts who are faithful. Lord, we always need to grow. None of us have arrived. Uh, Lord, we've all done things we regret. We have things we're trying to bounce back from. And at the end of the day, we all just need you. That's why we're thankful for you and your love for us. Uh, Be with the nursery workers, the teens, the children, all that's going on this morning. May you be glorified and praised, Lord. May you fill me with your Holy Spirit power. I need you. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, You may be seated. Uh, There's a story about a customer who was a little, uh, wanted to return a pair of jeans they had gotten. And they went up to the service uh, clerk and they went to return them. And the the customer uh, 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 said, you know, why are you returning these? They said, well, the jeans were a little too tight. And the clerk said, oh, okay, was there anything else wrong with the jeans? And the customer said, yes, they hurt my feelings. And, uh, you know, it reminds me of a little girl who finally got to attend a wedding for the first time. She's so excited. And she noticed the bride had white dress on. And so she asked her mother, she said, why in the world does the bride have white on? And the mother replied to the girl, because white is the color of happiness. And it's the happiest day of her life today. A little girl sat there for a little bit, and then she piped up and said, well, why is the groom wearing black? <laughs> you know, sometimes, especially when you have children, we can fail miserably at explaining things. And uh, we can fail at sometimes, times, and we all fail. You know, that's because of our sin nature. And sometimes, like Samson, we fail in big ways, It reminds me of the fellow who said, I do not fail the Lord often, but when I do, it sure is a thing of beauty. And oftentimes we can fail, we can falter. We look at the hall of faith in Hebrews 11 and say, Wow, what great man and woman of God, what great faith! If only we could do that! Well, it could also be the hall of failures. Abraham is mentioned of great faith, but yet he lacked faith to believe God's promise when he went down to Egypt. He lied about his wife there. Sarah, of course, that great woman of God, she also laughed at God and mocked at his promises. Moses committed murder, tried to cover it up. Isaac, the great patriarch, lied about his wife. Joshua, full of pride, failed to pray before he attacked Ai, nation of Israel. The story goes on and on of men and women God used in a great way, but yet they had their moments where they failed. Samson, once again, was a judge of Israel, but yet he failed time and time again. But God still used him. And speaking of failure, there was a story about a lady who had a collection of vintage uh, kitchen utensils. And one that she could not figure out what the purpose was, or what it was called. It looked like a spatula and a metal slotted spoon combined. And so she used it as such. And she had invited many people over, and she hosted. She had that thing there she used. And, and it always was displayed in a decorative s- ceramic utensil caddy for all to see. She never could figure it out until one day she was at a garage sale, at a yard sale. And she found this particular utensil, and it's wrapping, original wrapping. She picked it up, and to her dismay, it said on there, Pooper Scooper. <laughs> We've all failed, have we not? We've had some epic fails. But you know what? God is the God of second chances. He's a gracious God. And it's one thing the Philistines could not wrap their minds around because they had a conditional God. But not the Israelites. They had a God of grace who time and time again would help his people, even though they didn't deserve it. And one of those men he used was Samson. But I think there's a little bit of a reason why he used them that last time. God can use anything, anybody can use wicked kings to do what he wants. But there's a reason why I believe he answered this man's cry. And the first reason, number one, is the repentance of Samson. So if you're writing this morning, the repentance of Samson, and we see the cause of of this repentance the bible says but the philistines in verse 21 took him and put out his eyes and brought him down to gaza bound him with fetters of brass and he did grind in the prison house what's interesting about this man is the very man who destroyed all the philistines crops with the 300 foxes is now finding himself because of his sin grinding the corn of the philistines The Lord had left Samson, if you remember verse 20, and Samson didn't even know it. The Bible says he wist not that the Lord was departed from him. He probably crossed the line with Delilah. He chose to love Delilah more than God, and God says, okay, that's it. It could have been, some say, because God was trying to reclaim Samson spiritually. And instead of giving him strength and power, he gave him weakness. God was trying to perhaps get his servant back to where he could use him. May I say today that oftentimes we too go through those moments, do we not? We are trying to check the boxes, trying to push the right buttons, trying to find that perfect correct recipe that brings God's blessing and God's power in our life. And we can find ourselves being mechanical instead of relational with God. The Philistines thought it was some magic potion. They thought it maybe was a rabbit's foot, if you will. They thought it was something Samson had. And even Samson didn't really truly understand where his power came from. And if we're not careful, we too can get confused. It reminds me of the Domino's pizza story. There was an angry customer that called Domino's one night and said, Hey, I got my pizza. It came with no toppings or anything on it. It's just bread. Domino's employee says, well, we're so sorry to hear about this. How can we help? The customer replied, oh, never mind. I just realized I opened the pizza box upside down. You know. <laughs> and sometimes we can get it backwards, can we not? With God and his word and his will and his power. We, we try to manufacture it. We try to make it happen. I've been guilty of this. Oftentimes in my ministry. I'll just do X, Y, and Z and God will bless and find out it doesn't happen. Why? Because there's not something you can manufacture. You can't extract his blessing. It must be a relationship with God. How does that affect you when you're obeying God? When it's natural and easy to do, piece of cake. I'll dress a certain way, I'll read a certain amount of passage of scripture, to get my Bible through in a year, I'll pray, I'll go to church, I'll do all these things, all right God, send the blessings, send the rain, send send the power, and God says, wait a minute here, there's some ways that you find very hard, you're not doing. I've seen people that seem to have it all together, but yet hear them yell at their wife, be angry with their kids. You know, I've seen people who seem to have it all together, but yet failed miserably when it came to friendships. What are you saying, Pastor Joseph? I'm just simply saying that we can't be mechanical when it comes to God's blessing and God's power. It takes us giving our heart to God and saying, God, I want a relationship with you. And let him, the Holy Spirit, flow through us, right? And the fruits of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, all that comes out of us. It's hard to manufacture that on. Why? Because we're sinners, and need of a savior. and Samson, I think, for the first time, started realizing, "Wow, I just messed up. I need God. But we see the craving of repentance. In verse 22, the Bible says, "The hair of his head began to grow again." Bishop Paul says this, "His hair grew together with his repentance and his strength with his hairs. As his hair started growing, his repentant heart started growing, God started strengthening him once again. The psalmist says in Psalms 51, For thou desirest not sacrifice, else would I give it. Thou delightest not in burnt offering. The psalmist was frustrated. He says, hey, I'll sacrifice for you. I'll give you burnt offerings. But that's not what you want. God, what do you want? The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit. A broken and a contrite heart. God will not despise. God truly wants someone who's humble and broken. He says, God, I need you. I need your help. God, I love you. God, I appreciate you. Thank you for what you do for me. I want to spend time with you. I love you. And God says, hey, that's what it's all about. And so we see the repentance of Samson brought about a renewal of his vow with God. So number two, the renewing of his vow with God, if you're writing, the renewing of his vow with God. The Bible says after he was shaven. You say, what is so special about that? I shaved this morning. Probably many of you did. What is so special about that? Well, it shows us that hair grows, right? Hair grows and grows and grows and grows and grows. It doesn't stop growing. And that is what happened to Samson. What's interesting here? is the Philistines were told to do what? Shave my head! So why didn't they continue to shave it? Well, maybe they got tired of doing it. Maybe they got frustrated of doing it. I think it was more than that. I think they thought there's no need to shave it anymore. Because he's done, he's over with. You see, the Philistines' God was conditional. They had to do X, Y, and Z to get his blessing, if you will. But the Israelites' God was a God of second chances. You see, they thought that Samson's vow was over with. But what they didn't realize was Judges thirteen seven says that the Nazarite, Samson would be a Nazarite to the day of his death. God wasn't done with Samson. And by the way, God isn't done with you. And God isn't done with me. The renewing of his vow with God was something that the Nazarites were allowed to do. If you look... Uh, on your handout there, Numbers 6-9, or it's on the screen here. And if any man die very suddenly by him, and he hath defiled the head of his consecration, then he shall shave his head in the day of his cleansing. On the seventh day shall he shave it. You know what God was saying? If you break my vow, guess what? Do it again. Do it again. Have you ever done something that you just felt was awful, that God could never use you again? Could you imagine being Paul, killing Christians. But yet, God calling him, blinded him temporarily, and then gave him his sight back. And then God used him to write half a New Testament to start many churches. What are you saying, Pastor Justin? I'm simply saying, what the Philistines could not understand is what you and I get to enjoy if you're a child of God. A God of second chances, a God of grace, a God of mercy. The Philistines allow him to grow his hair back. But we see... Our God's never-ending grace. It was a symbol of restoration of Samson's relationship with the Lord. By the way, hair takes a while to grow back, at one-eighth inch per week, six inches in a year's time. It took some time for this to happen. Restoration doesn't happen like that. Don't you wish it did sometimes? Mom, I'm sorry for what I did. Okay, but guess what? Uh, I'm going to watch you next time you go out and do that. I want to make sure you truly are repentant. And it was going to take some time for Samson to truly be repentant and be restored, but yet God's grace never ended. And aren't you thankful today for God's grace for you and I? 2 Timothy 2.13, If we believe not, yet he abideth faithful, he cannot deny himself. Proverbs 28, 13. He that covereth his sins shall not prosper, but whoso confesseth and forsaketh them shall have what? Mercy. Jeremiah 33, 8, I will cleanse them from their iniquity, all their iniquity, whereby they have sinned against me, and I will pardon all their iniquities whereby they have sinned and whereby they have transgressed against me. Aren't you thankful for forgiving God? You say, Okay. I just have God's grace. Why do I need to do right? I can just keep confessing. Do you want to go through what Samson had to go through? Eyes poked out. There is a price to sin, but I'm thankful for God who pardons sin. But may we still try to live a life of purity for God so that he can use us in greater ways than we ever thought possible. And so we see the repentance of Samson. We see the renewing of his vow with God. Uh, The bondage, if you will, the grinding, if you will, the the jail, if you will, was what God used to help bring Samson back to him and help Samson decide that I want renewed, renewed passion for God. And we see, third of all, this morning, the recovery of God's favor. The recovery of God's favor. You see, God is not just a God of grace and forgiveness. He is a God that wants to use you and me once again. We see in verse 23, Then the lords of the Philistines gathered them together to offer a great sacrifice unto Dagon their god. And it came to pass, in verse 25, when their hearts were merry, that they said, Call for Samson, that he make a sport. And they called for Samson out of the prison house and had made them sport and they set them between the two pillars. There's really a contest going on and sports here for us to be entertained is maybe going to the Moda Center and seeing the Blazers play or maybe going to Autzen Stadium and watching the Ducks play or maybe Reeser Stadium if you're a Beavers fan, wherever the case may be. You go to be entertained by sports or maybe a racetrack or something like that but in those days there wasn't a lot of sports. They would do a different type of entertainment. They would do dancing and and crazy stuff and, and music and alcohol, big festivals, and and they would call it worship and sacrifice to their God. And so they come together, and we see the spite of the Philistines brought God's favor once again. You say, how does that happen? Well, the Bible says they're, they're giving ambiance to their God. Dagon, the Bible says... is a a God that was a sea-like monster. Uh, From the waist up, it was a man. From the bottom down, it was like a giant fish. Could you imagine praying to that God? And that was Dagon, and the reason why was in those areas it was a coastal area, and much fishing was done by the Philistines, and so they wanted Dagon's blessing because that would help them be get more fish and be more successful and have more money. And so they're praying to him, they're they're rejoicing to him, they're worshiping him, and they're giving all the credit because he's, they say our God Dagon hath delivered Samson, our enemy, into our hand. No, it was the sea, and it was a woman that did it. Not you, Philistines. But they're giving Dagon all the credit where God, Jehovah, actually allowed it. So we see the credit of Dagon helped spur the favor of God. The celebration of Dagon. And when the people saw him, verse 24, they praised their God. It said, our God has delivered us into the hands of our enemy, the destroyer of our country, which slew of us. They start singing the song of praise. Uh, Gil says when they brought, the people saw him, they brought Samson out, of course his eyes are gouged, his hair is maybe uh, starting to grow back, and maybe disheveled, maybe matted, and he's probably uh, got the beard, and he, he probably looks like a caveman almost, because he's been in prison, and very little care, and he comes out, and they start singing to him, Lagrange said it could have been uh, uh, an actual uh, uh, a statue of Dagon being brought out, we don't know exactly what, but they're, they're probably both out there, and they're rejoicing over the- the the statue and they're rejoicing that samson's there and they start this party and they're celebrating the destroyer of our country he had taken 300 foxes and destroyed all the fields and the 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 the, the slew many of us he had killed a thousand with the jawbone of a donkey and he he was a thorn to their side and they're celebrating to dagon because of it and then to top it off we see the chagrin of samson the humility if you will verse 25 and samson made them sport. Uh, Their hearts were merry with alcohol and the dancing, the music, and heathenistic, if you will. And they set him between two pillars. And they brought him out of the prison. The fact that they would do that was crazy. Because Samson was so strong. But they're probably intoxicated. They're probably not thinking straight. They're drunk. and, And they bring Samson out and they're mocking him. They're degrading him. They're degrading his God. They're degrading his countrymen. They're degrading the leader. And they're mocking. They're making fun. And something about that, of course, is Samson's being humiliated. And they're, they're catcalling at him. And they're throwing things at him. And as he's there, he thinks, God, this isn't right. His heart is being changed through the repentance. And we see the spite of the Philistines brought the submission of Samson. In verse 26. And Samson said unto the lad that held him by the hand, suffer me that I may feel the pillars whereupon the house standeth, that I may lean upon them. Now, a lot of people take this text and, and they'll poke at it and say, there's no way that God's word can be true because how can a man be put between two pillars? And how could a building of that size, as we'll see later, over 3,000 people was on the roof. How could that happen? Uh, one of our men came up to me this morning and said he's, he read an archaeological magazine that this temple, if you will, has been found. And if you look at it, there is two pillars, giant pillars, six feet apart, that Samson very well could have uh, put his hands on. And so uh, this big building, it was about 200 yards wide. So it's a big, big building. And 3,000 people are up there. The lords of the Philistines are below. Of course, all those who are around him. And Samson's there. And this lad is bringing him around with a chain. Could you imagine? They're poking fun at little kids, uh, helping him get around because he can't see. And this great and mighty judge is now just a shell of what he used to be. And he leans on the pillars. He he says, hey, i got to get a little breath from all this dancing. And so as he's there... We see number four, the retaliation of Samson, if you're writing, the retaliation of Samson. And it came back by, it started with the prayer. And may I say today, when you failed God, the first thing to do is repent of it. The second thing is to renew your commitment with God. The third thing is to recover God's favor by submitting your heart to him. And then the fourth of all, I think it's important that we have a prayer of humiliation. Verse 28, And Samson called unto the Lord and said, O Lord, God, remember me. I pray thee and strengthen me. I pray thee only this once, O God, that I may be at once avenged of the Philistines from my two eyes. Could you imagine seeing Samson a prayer, not of malice or revenge, but a prayer of crying to God to avenge and vindicate the whole commonwealth of Israel, his God, It was his duty as judge to do it. Can you imagine him praying up to God with humility, saying, God, I don't deserve your power. I finally have understood that that power is from you, and I cannot do this without you. By the way, that's a good place to be, is it not? When you realize you cannot do it without God's help. I'm a parent of, father of four wonderful children, and I realized a long time ago, the first six months, I thought I had it figured out. From then on, I've realized I don't have it figured out. But I do know one thing. God's Word has all the answers, right? I do know a daily walk with God and leaning on Him. He just has a way of helping guide us, lead us. Godly parents in this room here who's gone before us and and encouraged us and and the the ministries here at Grandview Baptist Church, it all plays a huge part. We need God every day. We see this prayer of humiliation and I want us to see also the push of faith. It truly was faith. Look at verse 27. Now the house was full of men and women and all the lords of the Philistines were there and there were upon the roof about 3,000 men and women that beheld while Samson was made sport. That's not counting all the... The leaders underneath. The the Bible says the lords of the Philistines were all there. I'm sure the soldiers were there. I'm sure uh, uh, those governing officials were there. I'm sure family members of them were there. And there's probably many people down below, not just the 3,000 that were there on the roof. Of course, uh, this building, this temple that they discovered, there's an opening there. So they all would gather around and look down. Samson, of course, was right in the middle, right between the two pillars. And that was where all the entertainment was happening. Just like a stadium today, when it's all around and and everybody can see what Going on there, that's what's happening here. And Samson's sitting there and he's praying. And then the Bible says he took hold of the two middle pillars upon which the house stood, and on it was borne up of the one with the right hand, the other left. And here he is in the middle of these two pillars that's suspending this 200 feet long uh, building with thousands of people in it. And they're all watching, they're all laughing, they're all mocking him. And he prays this prayer of humiliation. And then he pushes with all the faith he can muster. You say, why is that faith? I don't know about you, but I haven't pushed any big stone pillars over lately. And I've tried. You know what's funny is they don't budge very God. But you know what? When God gets involved, he can move mountains, can we not? Amen. If you have faith, the grain of a mustard seed, the Bible says. In fact, that's why he made it into the hall of faith. The Bible says in Hebrews eleven thirty four, the time would fail me to tell of Gideon and of Barak and of Samson. Can you imagine this push? The Philistines were laughing at him. <laughs> he has no more strength. No more hope, you're worthless. And he says, God, I might be worthless, but not without you. And he pushes with all his might. I want to encourage you today. What is in your life that seems impossible to everyone else that you would really like to see God do? Maybe it's a relationship struggle. Maybe it's a financial issue. Maybe it's a health struggle. Maybe it's a a, a bigger thing than that. Maybe it's a work thing. And you just really want God, you're tired of just living with it. Maybe it's a, a habitual sin. Maybe it's a vice on you. You just want victory. May I say, if you get that push of faith, you might be surprised at what God can do. Feel trust to him. We see, last of all, the perishing of a savior. What happens? He pushes, and God comes in. We see Samson's temporary deliverance. What happens? Six 3,000 we know of, and that's not counting on the lords or the Philistines and all there around him. Could have been twice that many. We don't know how many but that, those pillars shake, break, and that whole building comes down. Kills everyone, including Samson. Samson literally gives his life for his people. Now, God's not asking you to give your life for your people today. Why? Because we see, second of all, the Savior's eternal deliverance. There was somebody, a different Savior than Samson, a different judge. Someone who we call the Messiah. Jesus Christ, who was willing to give himself for you and me it's interesting the comparison one per- several people have compared Samson to Jesus and the fact that Samson was called and sanctified in and from the room, and so was Jesus. Samson was set apart to deliver his people out of the hands of all the enemies, so was Jesus. Samson performed by all his strength alone, he didn't have an assistant except for God. He didn't have hardly any weapons, except for a jawbone of a donkey, but yet God used him, and so did Jesus. In Isaiah 63, verse 1 and 3, Christ was made the subject of sport, just like Samson was. He was derided by the chief priests, and by the elders, and by the Roman soldiers, just as Samson was derided. Samson's death evidently did more than his whole life, the Bible says. But yet when Jesus died... His death destroyed the power of the devil and triumphed over all the enemies, the world of flesh and the devil. We read of that in Hebrews 2.14. For as much done as the children are partakers of flesh and blood, he also himself likewise took a part of the same, that through death he might destroy him that had the power of death that is the devil. You see, Samson's death achieved a limited role God had raised him up for. He began to deliver the people from the Philistines. But what's interesting is, Jesus Christ didn't do a temporary deliverance. Jesus Christ did a permanent eternal deliverance. 1 Peter 3.18, for Christ also hath once suffered for sins, the just for the unjust, that he might bring us to God being put to death in the flesh. Hebrews 10.10, by the which while we are sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ, once for all, Samson was the only one that God used to destroy all those Philistines, but yet Jesus Christ didn't die a temporary death, did he not? He died a death that conquered all the sin of all mankind. All the sin we see around us, Jesus paid for that on the cross all your sin and all my sin, the bad things we've done, things we've looked at, things we've said, the emotions that we got loud get out of our control, the things that drag us down and so easily beset us, as Paul says, Jesus Christ died on the cross for you and me. And what did he do? The Bible says in Colossians 2.15, And having spoiled principalities and powers, he made a show of them openly, Triumphant things, triumphing over them all in it. You know what's interesting to me? Is that oftentimes we find ourselves grasping for a temporary deliverer. Maybe it's ourselves. Maybe it's our deeds. Maybe it's pleasing somebody. But at the end of the day, Jesus Christ took care of it all for us. He's the only one who can cleanse us from our sin. Nicodemus tried to do it. He was a religious man. He was a uh, 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 he was a Pharisee. He taught the Bible. He read the scripture and he came to Jesus one night and he said, what must a man do to be saved? And Jesus said, you must be born again. Not of your mom, but of the spirit. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. There must come a time in your life when you realize I cannot do it on my own. The Ganges River is one of the world's largest freshwater outlets. It's, it's, it's the third largest after the Amazon and the Congo. It comes from a glacier in the western Himalayas and drops down a steep mountain canyon all the way uh, to India's fertile northern plain. And it, it actually empties into the Bay of Bengal and it supports a quarter of India's billion people in all of Nepal and part of Bangladesh, it it, it helps take care of all their water supply. This water, which starts off so pure, by the time it gets down to the fertile plain, all these things from uh, 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 India, uh, uh, from their factories and towns, the arsenic, the cronium, and and mercury, and, and poisonous byproducts, actually will pollute this river. It becomes one of the most pure river when it starts, and then the most polluted river when it gets to the bottom. There's been much scientific evidence and study about this, and it's been proven. This is one of the worst drinking waters ever. But yet, India will not do anything about it. You say, why in this world? Because the National Geographic explains that it is a sacred waterway worshipped by a billion Hindus as Mother Ganga. It's a living goddess with a power to purify the soul and to cleanse itself. So though they know it's been proven, it does not. And their minds, it's not what's been proven. This is a goddess and this river does not need to be purified. It is fine. But yet the reality is, it's polluted. And this is the belief that the river can clean itself and cannot be polluted but can go on forever. Do you realize this morning, dear church, that there are people all over this world today that in their minds, they think that they're good enough? In their minds, they do not need a savior. In their minds, it's okay. But the reality of the truth is, they're polluted by sin. You're polluted by sin. I'm polluted by sin. Wherefore is by one man sin entered into the world, the Bible says, and death by sin. So death passed upon all men for the all have sinned. For all have sinned and come short. The wages of that sin is death. You say, Pastor Justin, I don't know if that's true. I'm, I'm a pretty good person. Yes, but you've been polluted by sin. You've missed the mark. And that sin is going to destroy you. You say, well, what, what do we do? How do we get purified? There's nothing you can do. Except for go to hell to pay for your sin. But there is something that God has enabled you to do if you'll receive his free gift of salvation. The Bible says, for God so loved the world that he gave. The Bible says, his only begotten son, for whosoever shall call upon him, Lord, shall be saved. But God commendeth, God gave his love toward us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Do you understand this morning that in your mind you can go on thinking whatever you want, but the reality is you're not good enough. The reality is Justin Lame is not good enough. The reality is Jesus Christ is the only one who could take our sin debt because he was God in the flesh. You must pray and invite Jesus Christ into your life. You must repent of your sin as Samson had to. You must accept the gift of God into your life. Do you believe that? Will you accept that? I did that as a 10-year-old boy and it changed my life. And it can change yours too. Every head bowed, every eye closed this morning. I don't know about you, but maybe you feel a little polluted. Maybe you're crushed by sin in your life. Maybe you feel like there's got to be another way. I've tried so hard. I've worked so hard, but I'm just not cutting the mustard. May I say today that Jesus Christ knew that would happen. So He provided a Savior. And His Jesus Christ had died on the cross to pay for your sin. How many would say, Pastor Justin, wow, I never really fully understand that or accepted that in my life? And today I realize for the first time that I need a savior. I've tried some temporary options, but I want an eternal salvation. With Jesus Christ. If Jesus Christ would let me. I'd love a relationship with him. I'd love to accept him into my life. With heads bowed and eyes closed. I won't embarrass you. I promise you. I want to pray for you though. I want to give you that opportunity this morning. As I was able to as a young boy. How many would say Pastor Justin that's me. I need Jesus in my life. I want to know for sure I'm going to heaven. I'm done doing it on my own. I need Jesus and Him alone. Pastor Justin, will you pray for me? If that's you this morning, will you slip up your hand real quick and then put it down? God bless you. I see that hand. Anybody else this morning? Say, Pastor Justin, that's me. Maybe in the balcony. Maybe in the lower. Say, Pastor Justin, that's me. I need Jesus Christ as my personal Savior. If you just raise your hand and say something like this, say, Dear Jesus, I know I'm a sinner. I deserve to go to hell but I don't want to go there. Please come into my heart and save me and take me to heaven when I die. I believe and trust in you and invite you into my heart. Thank you, Jesus. With heads bowed and eyes closed, how many say, Pastor Justin, that's me. I just prayed that prayer for the first time. Will you rejoice with me? That you would just slip your hand real quick. I want to rejoice with you, anybody today. God bless you. How many would say, Pastor Justin, I know for sure I'm going to heaven, but I've realized today I need to rely on God's grace more instead of my own strength As samson did. Will you pray for me to rely on God more? If that's you, we slip your hand. God bless you. I see hands all over. Maybe there's someone that would say, I'm feeling a little weak today, but I, I need God's strength. Will you pray for me, Pastor Justin, that God will give me His strength? Is that if that's you, we slip of your hand? I want to pray for you. God bless you all over. I see your hands. And then maybe, how does the manner and achievement of Samson's death, though you don't need to give your life, Jesus Christ did it. How does it cause you to appreciate what Jesus did for you so much better? Jesus Christ did so much for us. The least we can do is receive Him into our life and to serve Him. Lord, we sure do love you. Thank you for loving us. Lord, I pray you'll bless the invitation time. I pray you help us today as we seek to reflect on you and what you gave us today. May we, as we go forward, we'll continue to put you first in our life. Be with these dear people and the decisions that they're making, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. If you could stand to your feet, the music's gonna play. What we do at our church is have just a time of invitation. This is the time we invite you to come forward if you would like and spend some time in prayer with God. You can do it there in your pew, that's just fine. But will you take some time and talk to the Lord? Maybe you'd like to follow it in baptism. Maybe you'd like to join the church. Maybe you'd like to make a spiritual decision. We'd love to pray with you. I just want to encourage you not to leave today until you've taken that time with God. God loves you. God bless you. you. may be seated. Um, just some spiritual decisions were made today. We want to share those with you. We also have a young lady following Lord in baptism. And then we have a video with announcements we want to share with you as well. But We have Elizabeth Berklin. Where are you at, Elizabeth? Right over here. And, of course, grew up here, graduated from our school. And, uh, of course, her parents are... Are such a huge blessing in our church, and uh, was in Tennessee for many years, going to college and then teaching. And Lord's brought her back to teach at Grandview Baptist Church, and she wants to rejoin again. So all in favor, say aye. aye. All right, welcome to the family, Elizabeth. God bless you. And then we have Richard and Sherry Ivy. Raise your hand up there, Richard and Sherry. Been coming for several months now. They've gone through Starting Point, and and the Lord just kind of moved in their heart to join with us as well. And so all in favor of bringing them into the church, say aye. 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 Any opposed? He it he carries. God bless you, Richard and Sherry. Glad to have you as well. And we're looking forward to serving the Lord together. And then Ed and Darla Swash here have come to transfer their membership here. And so raise your hand up there if you could. And God bless you. We're so glad to have you as well. And all in favor say aye. All right. welcome to the family as well. I believe Amanda too, upon baptism, will be joining the church as well. So, just a wonderful, wonderful day. And we look forward to serving the Lord together, each and every one of you. And uh, praise the Lord for that. What a blessing. And so at this time we have a video we're going to share with you, and then we'll have the baptism. Good morning and thank you for joining us today. We hope this morning's service was a blessing to you. Join us tonight at 5 for our Level Up Teaching and Training modules. Come and choose two of the modules on various topics from the lineup. Don't miss the special time of training with Something for Every Christian. Mark your calendars for the church-wide outreach Saturday, July 1st at 10.15 a.m. Join us for a delicious breakfast and an opportunity to share your faith in our community. We're excited about Teen Camp coming up July 31st through August 4th. And if you know your teenager's going, please sign up on the Welcome Desk. There's a sign-up sheet for Teen Camp. Also, information booklets on Teen Camp out there on the Welcome Desk as well. If you'd like to pay, the cost is $250, and you can pay online at grandviewcares.com and just designate it for camp for your young person. Or you can pay in the offering and, once again, write camp. And the name of your young person will make sure it gets designated for their spot at teen camp. We hope you make it a plan for your teenager to be able to go to teen camp this year. The Best Years Club is going to host lunch in the Abundant Life Classroom here at the church at noon this Tuesday, June 27th. And the cost is $10. To sign up for this or other upcoming Best Years Club activities, check the welcome desk for your upcoming events. Make plans to join us for God and Country Day on Sunday, July 2nd. We will have patriotic services with special music at 8.30 and 11 a.m. There will also be a picnic at Rivercrest Park in Oregon City from 5 to 8 p.m. Please help us by bringing plenty of sides and desserts. Hello. I want to come to you and share that we have two trips that are open to everyone. One is Leavenworth. Now, the shuttle bus is almost full, but we have rooms for many people of all ages. We'd love to have you, and it's a wonderful rate. Secondly, we have a trip to Israel. That is open to everyone in the church, and we're hoping to take 30 or 40 people. It's going to be great. Vacation Bible School will be held July 10th through the 12th from 6 to 8.30 p.m., and it's for children K-4 through 6th grade. If you would like to sign up and help at this event, there's a sign-up sheet available at the Welcome Desk. To register your children, go to our website, grandviewcarescom forward slash register. If this is your first or second time here, we want to answer your questions and get to know you. Please fill out the connect card in the pew in front of you and bring it to guest services as you exit the auditorium. We would love to meet you and you will receive a gift card. Have a great afternoon and we will see you tonight at 5. Your Savior? Yes. Praise the Lord. Amanda, uh, upon a public profession of your faith in Christ, I baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Buried in the likeness of his death. Raised in the likeness of his resurrection. And of uh, course, upon profession of her faith in Christ and baptism, she'd like to join the church. So all in favor say aye. All right, welcome to the family, Amanda. God bless you. And thank you so much for being here today. It was a good day in God's house. If you can grab some of these on your way out, my family and I have gotten about 400 of these this week out in Malala, and we're happy to do that. But if you can maybe take a few of these, that would really be a help to us. God bless you. See you tonight for Level Up. You are dismissed.